This week on the Time Blaster Toycast, May the 4th, and may the force be with you. That's right, it's time we finally discuss one of the most successful action figure franchises of all time, Star Wars. So settle in and pour yourself a nice tall glass of blue milk, because we're going to do a Kenner Deep Dive, and it starts right after this break. Welcome to the Toy Cast. Toy Cast. You are the super soakers for the time blast. time blast. Make your tail spin from the launch pad. Launch pad. It's the time blast, time blast. of the Toy Cast. You can download this podcast on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to check out the official ToyCast YouTube channel at Time Blaster ToyCast. To stay up to date with us, please make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Time Blaster Toys, also at The Retro KO. The Time Blaster toy line is now open. Leave us your reviews, thoughts, or comments via voice message, or you can shoot us a text at 734-494-2292. The following podcast is scheduled for nostalgia with a 60-minute time limit. Introducing first, today's topic, coming to you by way of cinema from the mind of George Lucas and assembly lines at Kenner Toys. May the force be with you as today we are talking all things Star Wars. And now for your hosts, they are weighing in today with the stress of fatherhood and fanfare of figures with actions, toys their passion is. Blasting their way through time with more accuracy than a Stormtrooper E11, they are the reigning, defending, toy cast tag team champions of the world at Retro KO Joe at Time Blaster Toys Keith, together known as the Time Blaster Toy Cast. All right, boys, are we ready? Hello there, as Obi-Wan would say. It's Star Wars week. <laughs> it is. Right. May, May the 4th. When did May the 4th become a thing? I feel like it's, I don't want to say recent, but I mean, it's its not that old. It's fairly recent, yeah, right? In the last yeah. 10 years, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. No one was running around in 1998 uh, no. saying May the 4th. I'm surprised, no, though. It took I, this long. I would say it was after that wave of movies, though, like the early aughts, um, like somewhere in like 2000, probably in the MySpace era. Yeah, May definitely. Maybe, yeah, Tom yeah. from MySpace probably made that happen. I, I, I believe, yeah. <laughs> Ironically yeah, I enough, though, like most of these movies came out in May. We'll get there, but like... The first one came out on my birthday in seven, well, six years to the day before I was born. So it's like. It definitely was when Disney stores were still going because they used to have an event. You would go to the Disney store on May the 4th and you'd get a free pin. Ooh. And I remember getting a Boba Fett pin one year. So You know who I wonder if went to a Disney store and uh, got themselves a pin? Hmm. Kevin, who sent us a beautiful review. Joe, do you have that? <laughs> this transition man right here. <laughs> the best in the business. What a pro. All right, Kevin, yes. He sent us a review uh, via Instagram, I believe, yes? Yes. And it reads, hey, I discovered your podcast a few months ago, and it's become a regular in my rotation, which is hard to crack. From listening, it sounds like we're close to the same age. Love the dynamic between the three of you and all the stories. It takes me right back to my youth and toy hunting days. So much of what makes a good podcast is the personalities of the people on it. You guys are warm, friendly, funny. You're not swearing every two seconds. It's just good stuff. Well-researched, and you can tell it's a real passion. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. And in regards to research, I did some research this week. Yeah. I'm going to be over here sp- spitting facts. <laughs> I hope we didn't do the exact same research because I'm, I'm in the same boat. Both I've, these guys with their Star Wars handbooks in hand. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars is like arguably the largest action figure franchise of all time, right? Oh, my yeah. gosh. And I mean, yes. it's a toy line that everyone had. I can remember being 
geez, I was probably four years old. I have a memory of checking out uh, in Toys R Us buying carded Star Wars figures. I mean, I think it's like where we all probably started at some point being under five years old with Star Wars figures. If not the very first introduction to movies and toys, period. Yeah. For a lot of people. That was the question I was going to ask you guys is like, what was your first experience with Star Wars? Was it the toys before the movies or the movies? For me, it was the toys. So I, my brother is older, and he had all the toys. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing these toys very, very young, being very creeped out by the Tuscan Reader action figure who <laughs> lived in our basement. I didn't go near it for a while. I don't yeah. know if it was just the face, um, but I can see that in my mind clear as day. Even though my mom claims that um, back in good old 1986, when Return of the Jedi got re-released in the theater, mm-hmm. she claims that she took me. Okay. As a two-year-old to see Return of the Jedi with my brother. Maybe. So, I mean, I don't know for sure if that came first, because she, she's not 100% on that, but it was either that, but it was definitely the toys. Yeah, same yeah. for me, toys. Like, honestly, being a little kid, I know I saw Star Wars, but not a lot of memories of watching the movie, mm-hmm. but having all the toys. You know, we all grew up with a Darth Vader case oh, full yes. Yes. of action figures, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Obviously, I knew who some of them were, but there were dudes in that case. To this day, I'm not sure who, the <laughs> specific names of right. some of these guys, right? You weren't talking about Walrus Man back then, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Well, yeah, I mean, same, but for me, too, it was actually the toys. My older brother, similar to Joe, had a lot of toys. I had the Vader carrying case, mm-hmm. um, and, and I told the you know the Ewok Village story. I, I remember seeing that. I just wasn't allowed to touch them, play with them. Any of his other toys were fair game, but those ones, for whatever reason, he held in high regard. He held it in high regard, and my dad even like enforced, hey, you're too young to play with them toys. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, dad. Yeah. Like, I'll oblige. But, I mean, yeah, he had a bunch. I wonder what the thinking was. Well, it's funny how, even before Star Wars, no one really thought to collect toys, right? Right, yeah. It was not a thing. Star Wars rolls into town, and all of a sudden, people are buying two, three of everything, mm-hmm. tucking them away. Mom's putting them up in the attic. Like, how people had the foresight is beyond me. Yeah, which is wild because to this yeah. day, you will occasionally come across someone who's got a box in their attic yeah. full of carded Dude, Star Wars figures, <laughs> which are un- it's unreal to think that they've survived this long. But mm-hmm. yeah, before we get too deep into the weeds, I think we should probably talk about the inception of the toy line itself. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it, for it, sure. It all starts there. Joe, you want to kind of hit yeah, on the highlights there. at all? Yeah. Or? So when George Lucas was writing the script and making the movie, um, his big thing was secrecy. Right. So yeah. most people, when they're, when they're making a film or they're making a show, they want to start shopping around for toys years in advance. Yeah, usually two full years yeah. at least. And Lucas waited until like five or six months prior the release of Star Wars mm-hmm. to start shopping the rights around because he was afraid that stuff was going to get out. He yep. was afraid other companies were going to knock off his ideas and no one wanted anything to do with it, mm-hmm. right? So before Star Wars, science fiction movies, they didn't really have uh, a big success in the toy game, right? You had Planet of the Apes. Well, the whole which, idea of to- a movie as a toy line before Star Wars doesn't yeah. really work because the whole idea is like a movie comes out in a theater that's mm-hmm. relevant for a few months at a time. Yeah. You know, all the toy lines that were successful were based on TV or, you know, properties that had long life. So the idea of, like, by the time these toys hit, they're only relevant three months in the store. Absolutely. That's why I think a lot of toy companies were not interested, right? right? Yeah, because it was all like that. Was it Mego Corporation? Was that their name that had all those, like, Planet of the Apes and Star Trek, Mego? Yeah. And they... um, 
And then there was like the Charlie's Angels toys that were a big hit. And the mm-hmm. DC characters were a big hit. Yeah, yeah. these are like evergreen properties. But you know? the yeah. but Star Trek and Planet of the Apes, they kind of struggled a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And, and weren't they the original company that Star Wars was like, that George Lucas was talking to? Or they wanted to do the toys, but for whatever reason, he didn't go with them? I'm not sure about I, I mean, I mean I they were like pitched. Lucasfilm was shopping around to everybody. Everyone. And everyone was turning them down. And I mean, luckily, Kenner was, you know, a young company. They were a smaller company. They had a lot of success with uh, the $6 million man, mm-hmm. right? And uh, doing, you know, that kind of science fiction stuff. And they took a chance. And I mean, they bet the farm and they won big time. Yeah. Have you ever, you guys, you're aware of the deal itself that was made between Lucas and Kenner and how the rights were divided? I, uh, so for every dollar made, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Lucas and Fox split a nickel. So <laughs> Lucas yeah, got yeah. two and a half, you know, percent. Mm-hmm. Fox got two and a half percent. Kenner kept ninety five percent. Wow! Unbelievable deal for they Kenner. They had all the leverage. Like, all the leverage, yeah. just to show you where you know Lucas was in that negotiated period. He had to take that deal that you know, mm-hmm. you know, hurt him. Made it. He probably yeah. couldn't sleep at night knowing he made that deal for Kenner had to years. what write a check for ten thousand dollars a year and that was it. I think. Yeah, yeah. Which we can as, get to that in a little bit. As long as they yeah. did that per year, that was part of the agreement. Right. But overall, the toys ended up paying for the third movie. Oh my gosh! Yeah, George like, George funded Empire Strikes Back pretty much on toy sales. Yeah. So oh, it was the second one. I believe it was the second, second one. I thought. Okay. So random fact, right? Uh, that I read about this week. It's like all the Star Wars movies. The, they've grossed around seven billion dollars, right? Yeah. But the toys have made twice that amount. For, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's insane. The toy revenue is twice the amount of the mm-hmm. revenue of the films itself, which is just wild to think. And and to talking about that because of that boom and the money that that first Star Wars was making before it really got rebranded as a New Hope, um, but Star Wars with all that money, I mean, they couldn't Kenner couldn't keep up with the original. Kenner was blind man. Well, they were behind they, the eight ball from the start. Kenner just had based, no idea what it was going to be. Well, and just based on what you already said, yeah. Joe, you know, normally you've got two years to. It's a lengthy process, especially mm-hmm. at the start of a toy line. You know what I mean? You have to get all this stuff approved by the studio, by Lucas himself. Then you got to make the molds. Then you got to send it to China and get them produced. Then they got to come back. It takes years. Yeah. yeah. You know, Kenner and George Lucas start talking five months before the film's <laughs> yeah. out. I think the agreements made like a week or two before the movie comes out like so. it's an actual legitimate okay you're making our toys so it was months you know it wasn't until spring 78 yeah before yeah. anything's even on well any action figures on the shelf there were some other products that were like easily made like board games and stuff and puzzles and stuff like that but yeah so they're already behind the eight ball you know what i mean there's their early bird which we should probably talk about yeah. where oh, they're yeah. promising kids at christmas 77 mm-hmm. we will one day get you these action figures and there was only four well yeah they had no figures on the peg so they sold kids cardboard and, <laughs> and a promise and, and it worked i mean <laughs> it, it was a nice little display stand yeah and, and it gave you the promise of four figures Basically saying you'll be year. the first to get them yeah. when they're finally available. Yep, and that was Luke, Leia, Chewbacca, and R2-D2 were the first four in the early bird kit. And that's where the double telescoping Luke comes from, but we can touch on that later. Oh, or it comes from the, from the early, the early bird kit? Touch on it now. Yeah, the early bird kit. So for those that know the double telescoping lightsaber, so the original lightsaber, you would just push it out of the hand, right? And it just telescoped one time. Yeah. Well, the more rare one is the, del- is the double telescoping. So you push it out once, and then the tiny little tip would slide out a second time. And um, that Luke was featured in the early bird kit. 
and they made a running change. Um, I think there's there's some Lukes that made it to card back with yeah. the double telescoping, but the majority come from that early bird kit, and they are quite expensive. Wow. I can imagine the rarity yeah. of the double telescoping lightsaber versus oh, yeah. just the single just telescoping single lightsaber is massive. I mean, so many broke. I mean, that, that little filament was so thin. Yeah, so uh, another thing that we probably should hit on before we like get into the actual figures is like mm-hmm. the scale of Star Wars figures. Oh yeah, did you hear did you see that story about Bernie <laughs> Loomis in the meeting? Yeah. Dude, it's great. Yeah, tell the Bernie so, Loomis story. So, you know, the guys uh the guys at Kenner, you know, the toy designers are trying, you know, trying to figure out well how big are these figures going to be? Yeah, because prior to this, most action figures are like around 12 yeah, inches the, tall. The top selling toys before Star Wars were Barbie and the 12-inch GI Joe. Those right. those were one and two. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, "Well, we got to talk to Bernie because we got to figure this out. Bernie has to make a decision." Yeah. And um, you know, Star Wars is all about building the world, you know, having these kids being able to play in this world. So they knew their bread and butter was going to be the ships and the play sets. Right. And you can't make a ship for a 12-inch figure. No. You can't make profit on a ship for a 6-inch figure. Mm-hmm. So they go into a meeting with Bernie, and Bernie sticks his hand out, and he says, all right, guys, <laughs> Luke is going to be this big. <laughs> and one of the designers in the meeting grabs his little steel ruler, and he holds it up to Bernie's fingers, and he's like, mm, about three and three-quarter inches. And that's how tall Luke was, and they based, they based the entire line Around Luke being three and three quarter inches, which tall. is wild. Which is yeah. off. Bernie Lubis, the like CEO head yeah. dude at Kenner, sticks his hand out, gets that measurement, <laughs> and that's become the action figure standard. Mm-hmm. Forty year, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every line, Star Wars at that scale is like you know the benchmark that dude, GI Joe morphed yeah. to that. You know Indiana Jones. There's mm-hmm. just so many action figure lines within just a couple years took that lead, and that just became a standard. Bernie Lubis, also the guy who coined the phrase toyetic. That oh, comes yeah. from Bernie. Yeah. So we got to thank him for that. I mean, Star Wars toys are toyetic, right? Oh, I mean, if you tea. didn't see one second of any movie, you know R2-D2, yeah. C-3PO, Chewbacca, they look like living, breathing toys. Yeah. Darth Vader. Which is wild guy. to think that toy companies would pass. Just crazy. I mean, Kenner's I, benefit, no I, doubt. A lot of them just didn't think Star Wars was going to be anything, mm-hmm. like a flash in the pan. But well, Yeah, because, like, I mean, Star Trek was, was kind of hot, but, like, Star Wars... Yeah. When you look at it in 1977 eyes, it's it's kind of like jokey hokey compared to like yeah. the seriousness that that Star Trek portrays space. Like Star Wars is, it doesn't look like a serious movie at all when you when you watch it. It, it looks lower budget and That's the effects. Star are Trek was so polished and clean. Yeah, and Star Wars was a lived in universe. Made it's it more just, realistic. I just guess just a little space opera. Yeah, and um. It just who knew? Who knew? I don't think even any. I don't think anybody knew it was going to take off the way it did and become the biggest movie franchise of all time. Let alone the biggest movie for years. Yeah, mm-hmm. like like everyone always says back then when they were walking around, they would never ask, "Have you seen Star Wars?" They would ask, "How many times have you seen Star Wars?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know my uncle's. It's true. My my uncle has a guy who's seen it in theaters over twenty times. That's awesome. Like he just every couple months he go and see it, and then like couple months later him and a different friend would go and see it mm-hmm. him and my my mom when my aunt when they were all like in high school they're like we're going to see it like it's just crazy that that was the only place you could see a movie was in the theaters or the drive-in yeah. or whatever and then it would get re-released and then in was it 80 or 81 when it got released with the the, the famous like crawl with the new hope title yeah, on new it hope yeah because originally it didn't it have before new empire hope. came out so yeah before 80 yeah so it's just the original. If you saw it in 
in 77. Yeah. It didn't have a new hope on no it. You hope. see it in 80 in the theaters. It's got, it's now titled a new hope and it's got a different name and you know, the second one they're, they're making empire and you're as a, I couldn't imagine being a teenager or an early 20 year old yeah. in that time frame. You've got toys galore. You've got this movie that you can just keep going to the theaters to see. There's no home video. No. Video exactly why Lucas did that. It's, it's just crazy. He wasn't even sure if there was going to be a sequel. Once that money started rolling in, he knew, well, let's add new hope to the title sure, now. Sure, rebranded a little the bit. The next one is coming for sure. So the vintage line, uh, Joe, is how many figures? That vintage, the full run. 92. 92 figures. Yeah. And it starts with like that first 12 and 78. Some yeah. of the most iconic action figures. You know, every yeah. kid in the 80s had them. I think I had all, all 12 of them, right? I mean, they were just. Yeah, more than likely. There's that display base that you can buy. The action stand. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about that. So the action stand is just, it's like a flat piece of gray plastic. And there's 12 different sections with uh, little pegs. And you put your figures on it. And there's a bunch of little levers. And you would move the levers. And they would spin around and interact with each other. And it had a really sweet cardboard backdrop and that was the action stand oh and it had little name tags on it too it did, little stickers yeah. for the names of the figures if you wanted to be precise on where your obi-wan goes get your jawa in there but yeah. probably not with a vinyl cape right yes odds are no <laughs> <laughs> odds are no so yeah those figures we talked about luke leia chewbacca and r2d2 is the first four then the yep. next eight was c-3po darth vader the stormtrooper obi-wan han solo a jawa sand people and the death squad commander how Death Squad Commander get in that top 12? I, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> maybe they just... Look, Kenner was really good, like I said earlier, at building the world, right? Yeah. And a lot of these toy lines, like they didn't do that. And Kenner just made figures of everybody. It's, it's, yeah, it's I like mean, they honestly, knew what they had to do, and it worked. Yeah, and kind of right from the jump, too, yeah, right? absolutely. The tertiary characters. I mean, but you're... Building ships and play sets, you need people to fill them out. You've so got to have it, background guys. It makes sense. It's just wild to think in the first 12 you've got like a character like that. Um, yeah, well, I think they, they got a lot of reference material from like the first half of the movie. So I a see. lot of Tatooine stuff. Oh, okay. So, you know, maybe they thought Tusken Raiders and Jawas were going to be way more important than yeah. what they really were. But, I mean, they were just secondary to the plot. At the and same they look time, cool. though, they're like army builders, too. Absolutely. You know, they're like foot soldiers mm -hmm. or something. You could yeah. get five of each one of them and, and be okay. And if you're Kenner, those are very toy-addict-looking characters oh, so for your boy Bernie there uh, getting yep. his, his Bernie knew what he was doing. <laughs> he did. Smart man. <laughs> he did, absolutely. And you said to go from 12 to 92 before the second movie even comes out is just... I mean, you're 92 no. total. 92 total after all the yeah. movies. I got you. I'm sorry. Yeah, in the whole run. Yeah. I see. I see. My apologies there. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, you get into the play sets, and then they had partnerships where you had JCPenney exclusive toys. You had Sears exclusive toys. Yeah. You had Toys R Us exclusive toys. And that's just a great way. And most of that was play sets and vehicles. Mm -hmm. And I know we've talked about it on few episodes back with the the valentine's day speed dating episode which you should <laughs> check out uh the cantina adventure playset from sears was, yeah was a sears exclusive that had a a i mean it has a very uh important figure in that set which is the blue snaggletooth with his right. go -go boots, yeah i was right? gonna i was gonna ask you about the yeah. two snaggletooth variants so, i mean kenner they were invited to a screening in the movie before it was released mm -hmm. and i know i don't know if all of the designers were able to go because they had to fly out to california um, but they also had a lot of uh, like photo reference material. And I know the guys have talked about, well, Snaggletooth, you really only saw his head. Mm -hmm. so like the, and it was black and white photo. Yeah. 
and even in the movie, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can really see exactly what he's wearing. But I mean, they couldn't tell that he was short. They couldn't tell he wore red. Yeah. So they kind of had to take liberties on their own, mm-hmm. and they made a tall snaggletooth in a blue jumpsuit with silver go-go boots. And um, <laughs> this figure, that figure to this day is is one of the most sought after and expensive figures, and you could only get them. And the Sears Cantina playset. Yeah, they're like we're too far along in production. We yeah. have to release this somewhere. And Lucasfilm like, saw that, and they're like, "You guys need to change that." And they're like, "Make and, him half." And they made it right. Make him half the size. He wears red. Right. Take the boots off. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he have like furry paws too? He's got furry paws and you know nice animal feet with some gnarly toenails. The Cantina playset though, it's half cardboard, right? It's like all cardboard. Oh, is it yeah, all cardboard? Like I thought it was like down. a... Oh. The back is cardboard. Oh, I'm picturing like a plastic base with a cardboard. It's no, just it's all, all cardboard. And it, it just kind of looks like the outside street of like Tatooine. Oh, wow. Like Mos Eisley. Yeah. Yeah, it's just straight cardboard. And Kenner's really... They've uh, leveraged cardboard to their benefit. Kenner knew Got the how early to use cardboard. Bird, cardboard play sets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? They use cardboard a lot. Yeah, those, those plastic base with the cardboard, those came later. Um, but there was a sand crawler playset with the plastic base that they reused over and over for each film. Mm-hmm. Kind of really knew how to maximize their molds. Yeah. Well, I mean, and a lot of money is being made on playsets and vehicles. We've talked yeah. about it in past podcasts when your action figures are being sold. You know, what was the average retail price of a Star Wars figure at the start? Couldn't what, have been more than ninety nine. I was going to say two dollars. Yeah. And you know, there's instances where I'll get things in the shop to this day. Remember that last batch of carded Star Wars? It was probably a year ago now. Yeah. It was like four or five figures, all from Kmart, mm-hmm. all marked down. They were 50 cents. Oh, you know man, what I mean? They were crazy. giving them away at one yeah. point. Yep. Um, so yeah, not a lot of meat on the bone to be made on the action figures, but you start producing vehicles and play sets and play sets made entirely of cardboard. That's a lot of I profit mean, in your pocket. Yeah, your ROI is great. We've talked a lot about the, lo- the launch of the toys and the success of the movie and I asked what your first introduction to Star Wars was. So you said you saw the movies. Do you remember what movie you saw first? Because we were all born. I mean, I was born after all three came out. Yeah, I was born in 83. Yeah. Like I said, six years of the day. The first one came out May 27th, 1977. I'm born May 25th, 1983. So six years later, mm-hmm. yeah. I might as well be a Star Wars kid. I remember. I know for a fact it was, it was Return of the Jedi. It was the first one I saw. And I remember my mom or dad must have taped it off of HBO. Because clear as day, I can see that HBO bumper playing in my head um, before the movie starts. Yeah. And I would just, man, I'd watch the movie all day long. My dad probably got sick of it. Yeah. And I would rewind the same Ewok battle scene over and over and over again. I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, I was going to say, my uh, memory of Star Wars, Ewoks are so much more important in mm-hmm. my mind than in the, you know, to the scope of the actual right. franchise itself is just something about like Ewoks being so cute. And we were looking, the perfect age for you. Perfect moms. age, right? Looking like Gizmo, just looking great. Mm-hmm. So all my memories of the toys that I liked the most were my Ewoks. I had the Ewok village. So yep. looking back, it was probably Jedi. It was probably the, really the only one I was really watching yeah. because the other ones didn't have Ewoks. I probably wasn't interested <laughs> when I was five years old. Right. Yeah. And for me, it was uh, Empire, like the snow the snow scene is in like Luke getting his way out of the well, God, what's that thing called? The Wampa the, Cave. The Wampa Cave, yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, got the lightsaber. And that just stuck with me as kids. Like, what am I watching right, right. now? <laughs> right. And my dad and older brother are just really into it. Um, so I, I remember seeing that. That's my first visual memory of, of Star Wars. And then we, my uncle had the Atari game. And he gave my Star older Star Wars on Atari. He gave you, my older brother. That's horrible. In the beginning, all I remember is you had the um, 
the ad ads, the ATs, ATs, yeah, the ad ads, and you know the the big tall things that that yeah. walk. Yeah. And um, that's all I remember about the Atari game. But I was that's the first video game I ever remember playing as a kid was the Star Wars Atari game. Which probably blew the minds of people back. <laughs> it blew my mind. I mean, I'm like four years old, probably yeah. watching WrestleMania four at my uncle's apartment and yep. playing an Atari snow speeder. <laughs> so, in regards to the vintage line, there's so many, you know, vehicles, right? Oh yeah. In your mind, Joe, as mm-hmm. a Star Wars guy, mm-hmm. maybe outside of the Millennium Falcon, what's like the go-to vehicle? What's like your favorite one? Outside of the Falcon, yeah. Like now, as an adult collector, or like when I was a child. How about as a kid? As a kid, yeah. I I would have to go snow speeder. Yeah, snow okay. Because I, I had the snow speeder. It's you know, it's a ground flying vehicle, which is cool. Like you could run around the house, pretend you're on Hoth. You didn't have to go in space. <laughs> um, you got room for two figures inside, back to back. They can sit. Had the tow cable. It's just a great. It's a great ship. Yeah, I had a lot of the vehicles. Dave, did you have a lot of that? I said they were around. Yeah. I remember see like I couldn't tell you what they were. I just remember seeing them, and if I see a picture of them, like oh yeah, my older brother. You know, yeah, yeah. like I said, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to touch them. But we, you, you, you mentioned the Falcon there, but we didn't really talk about the Falcon. <laughs> we should probably dive into the Falcon. I mean, that is the the Falcon. It's the is one, so right? iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have the training ball when you were a kid? Um, no, I, I think that training ball was lost probably the first week my brother had it. Yeah. Um, as with most kids, but the Falcon's amazing, right? Um, you can open it up. I mean, it's a ship and a, and a play set in one mm-hmm. and it's got, uh, electronic sounds and you got the inside with the chess table and you can put Han and Chewie in the cockpit if you know how to sit them just right. And through the years, the Falcon continues to just be a hot seller. Isn't oh, there like a gigantic one? The saga. Is that the Saga one? There was the one I had in the shop not that long ago. It was a Saga or Legacy collection. It was huge. Maybe Legacy. I I mean, it it made the vintage one look small. You know what I mean? Three times the size. I had that, whichever one, uh, in stock for quite a while. It was Mm. in the back room. I was moving it, getting used to having it around. Um, Eventually sold it to a good buddy. And... A couple days later, the vintage Falcon shows up, and I was convinced it was like the Micro Machines <laughs> right, one for a minute. I'm like, this is so tight. Like it, that that just like threw my whole scope off. I'm like, oh no, okay, no, this is actually the the vintage yeah, Falcon. Yeah, they finally made it like to true scale, with which three, is three wild. Quarters. Yeah, it would. I Insane. mean, it's probably three times the size. I remember of the when our Toys R Us was one. going out of business, and they had one there, mm-hmm. um, but they hadn't marked it down yet. Which was crazy. Otherwise, I probably would have bought that thing. But they still wanted five hundred bucks for it. So I feel like every other year they're pumping out a, yeah. uh, some version of the Falcon, right? Tweaking yeah. it, making it a little more to scale. They've yet to make a Black Series six-inch scale Millennium Falcon. How what would that thing retail for? Fifteen hundred dollars? I mean, they made the Tie Fighter, which I was impressed by, mm-hmm. um, to scale with six-inch. But yeah, the Falcon and six-inch would be crazy. So Star Wars has been, you know, present in our entire lives, right? We're little oh, kids yeah. with the vintage stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we should probably briefly in the '90s touch on the whole resurgence of Star Wars because there was that period of time there where were the dark days, right? Yeah, I mean, where Star Wars disappeared. It was actually George's call. He wanted to retire the line for and, a while. And mm-hmm. what was it? It was '85 sales for Tenor started to dip too. Yeah, it was, and, that, it was that ten year span. For well, there was no new film to drive any no. sort of interest, and in. at that point, if right. there's no new movies and there's no television show, mm-hmm. there's Kenner made every character you could possibly <laughs> make, so there's nothing new to be done. Yeah. And like Joe said, Lucas wanted you know if it was up to Kenner, they would have continued. They yeah, wanted to. They, they were pitched, making their own stuff. Yeah, they yep. pitched all sorts of new stuff, mm-hmm. which Lucas liked, but he wanted to you know lay Give back a for a little while. 
Yeah, yeah the, so then in the 90s, Power of the Force comes out. But before that, you had the Bendems. Oh. Let's, let's not gloss oh, over geez. 1994's Bendems <laughs> with the, the Star Wars characters. That's true. I guess that would have been the first it new the Star first, Wars. Yeah, that and um, the Micro Machines. Weren't those out before Power of the Force started? Maybe a year before. Maybe. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like those were out before the figures. Yeah, maybe you, not. Yeah. Well, I guess we should probably talk about the the rights to the toys mm-hmm. leading into the 90s because, like we said, that original deal with Kenner signed where they're getting 95% of the income. And like you said, one uh, condition of the deal, which this deal literally in the contract, it said it was like for perpetuity, forever. forever. As long as they wanted to make the toys, they had yeah. the rights. Um, but along the way, in those dormant dark ages, Kenner doesn't pay the 10000 you know, yep. if they don't produce toys, they have to at least cut Lucas a check for ten grand every year yeah. to keep the rights. Somewhere along the way, they don't do it. <laughs> they don't send the check. They don't. So they lose this unbelievable deal that you could never in a million years ever get again. So <laughs> right. now toy rights are up for grabs, right? And Lucas yeah. is shopping around again in the nineties. Yeah. Only this time he has all the leverage. Yes. You know what I mean? Tables have turned. And by then, Kenner's bought by Hasbro, so Kenner's technically not even its own company. It's part of Hasbro, yeah. and Hasbro's like, how did we lose the rights to the yeah. most successful toy line ever? So they're doing whatever it takes to get the rights. They keep them, right? Yeah. They sign a deal that is now incredibly favorable to George <laughs> Lucas to the point where they're like, I don't think we can even make money on these toys. We've signed such a bad deal. Yeah. But from that comes Power of the Force comes Hasbro, just full court press. I mean, from that day on, mm-hmm. there has never been a period of time where Star Wars wasn't in the toy aisle, right? right. And hats off to Hasbro for keeping Kenner on the packaging. Yeah, to, smart. To, like, to keep the toy lines consistent with each other. Very smart. Mm-hmm. So this, yeah, so Power of the Force, there was originally a Power Force line in, what, 84, 85? Yes. And then in 95, yeah. they were going to bring it back. It gets Joe into KB stories on the hunt. Oh, my god! Joe gosh. and everyone else on Dude, Earth, we were, man. It we was were hunting. Even my mom had the itch. <laughs> She'd be like, let's go to KB, or to Toy Works, you know? My dad wants to go to Sears and walk the craftsman aisle. We're going to Toy Works, baby. Digging through those pegs. Do you remember a, a specific figure in that first run of Power of the Force that was hard to get? Or were they all pretty readily Han available? Han Solo was hard to get. Was he? Han Solo and Lando Calrissian gave me the hardest time. I ended up getting Han Solo from a buddy at school who had, his mom had found two somewhere. Oh, man. That's a good brother right yeah, there. Yeah, very good brother. Um, I don't even think he charged me for it. He just well, gave it Free? To me. Free, wow. I believe. That's free. Sweet. I don't remember paying for the Han Solo, which was crazy, because mm-hmm. you probably could have taken him to your local comic shop and sold him for like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lando. Lando was really hard to find. Big buff Lando. He was jacked. They were all jacked. Lando was so jacked, man. <laughs> Looking like Farouk on that card. Um, so Lando, super hard to find. And funny enough, I found him pretty much at the bottom of the three for ten. Wow. Bin. Yeah. Like, like later on. Like Just I never digging. found him in the first release. And he was in the bottom of a three for ten. Man, little Crazy. Joey out there with a shovel, just digging Dude. deep. We were gotta dig deep. Half my body in that bin, <laughs> digging, digging to the bottom. It was crazy. Good times. The, the old KB Toys bin. We all yeah. know this bin, right? We've all been in that this bin. wire basket. <laughs> the cards wire. just bent. You know what I mean? Dig it into they're your just, stomach. They're just throwing them in there. They don't care what shape they're in. Wild. That's incredible. But yeah, I mean, so every fifteen years, they like reboot the movie, a movie trilogy. It feels like, yeah. and then you got your Phantom Menace is uh, May of '99. Mm-hmm. It it comes out, it launches, and uh, the toys 
were insane for that and the marketing and you had a character so Darth Vader we kind of glossed over yeah. big yeah. bad guy cool figure we talked about the carrying case a little bit mm-hmm. just arguably the most iconic character in the history of cinema the number one villain in the history of cinema I was going to say the, probably the most successful and iconic villain yeah. in action figure history yeah. right yeah. Yeah, you, you know could what argue i mean that. yeah yeah so Phantom Menace launches, you got Darth Maul mm-hmm. a, with a cool, very, at the times, I mean, you look at it and you go, that's late 90s, early 2000s. So cool, look. though. So <laughs> cool looking. He had double-bladed lightsaber. I know. I mean, and just, the hype was there. I don't know if he lived up to the hype, but man, know. the hype was did, there. But man, yeah. For like minute, like you talk about maximizing your minutes in wrestling, maximizing your minutes in a movie, like merchandise sales to minutes in film, no one can probably touch Darth Maul. Right. That's true. I mean, like he had total of what less than ten minutes of actual screen time. I mean, his main screen time was that fight at the very end. <laughs> right. Of the movie. And he said like two lines in that whole yeah. movie. It's it's wild, like to th- go back and and watch Phantom Menace now. Yeah. Like all the hype, right? Yeah. Months and months of buildup and promotion and the mm-hmm. toys and all this like. Everyone is just ready to just love this thing. And then this movie comes out and it's slow and plotting. And like you said, Darth Maul, which you would think is going to be like mm-hmm. the main driving force of this movie. It's yeah. like, it's not to a very, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. If this movie was made now, Darth Maul would be on the screen in 20 seconds, right? Absolutely. It would start with Darth Maul's fight scene, right? I mean, we'll explain yeah. who he is after you get the action, right. which I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just like different. You know what right. I mean? The movie was all about politics and trade. <laughs> yeah. And they're trying yeah. to sell it to us kids. The first midnight movie I ever went to was like a week, came out like yeah, a week before my too. 16th birthday. And my older brother and his friend, uh, Bird, Birdman, he's probably not listening. I've seen that guy in 15 plus years. <laughs> but uh, Birdman and, and my brother went and I got to tag along. So that was cool to go to a midnight movie. And it was just so surreal. You had all the people dressed up. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was getting with Darth Maul. You had people with the toy, double-bladed lightsaber and the Darth Maul masks. Mm-hmm. Dozens of them. You had dozens of Stormtrooper dresses up. You had a couple of the other, you know, you had a Chewbacca there. You had a Han. Like, mm-hmm. The first time in my life where I ever saw like cosplay. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of it was just like Halloween costumes and toys you could buy at anywhere, right. whether it be Meyer, Walmart, Toys R Us. They had the, the Darth Maul, the, especially with the Darth Mauls, they had these cool masks and that double bladed lightsaber. People having lightsabers for those. And Star Theater Taylor. I'm watching two Darth Mauls have a lightsaber battle at like 11.30 p.m. <laughs> on, uh, before the movie comes out. It was just so wild. That's well, awesome. Hasbro was not going to make the same mistake again, right? So they were ready this time with this new trilogy. Oh, yeah. Beyond they, ready. Beyond ready. They had the toys were there. They were in stores. I remember they had, you remember the preview, the episode one preview figures that came out? And we're the talking power, the Mace Windu? Yeah, and the battle droid during the Power of the Jedi I line, remember, yeah. They had those out before episode one line even started mm-hmm. to hit stores. And the likeness to Samuel Samuel Jackson yeah. was there, right? It was pretty so, good. Yeah, yeah, for what it was. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, those were the toys around that era where I I don't know if toys had this before, that, but those were the toys that I remember with like head scans where I'm like, wow, these look just like the actors. I don't know if they had head scans or what, but even like your Batman toys, which was like, oh, that's, that kind of looks like Michael mm-hmm. Keaton a little bit. But I don't, for whatever reason, in my head, those Star Wars toys looked the most like yeah. lifelike out of any toy ever. Well, they were spending money making sure that the stuff looked good, you know, because yeah. like Joe said, I mean, they had an incredible amount of money 
riding on the line. They've spent so much money for the rights to these. Mm-hmm. They need to recoup. You know, they need to make this deal work, and it's a quantity thing, right? They need to sell as many of these as they can. <laughs> they did. So when the movie first comes out, and the hype is through the roof, and mm-hmm. the toys are through the roof, everyone's buying them. But it didn't last that long. Within a month or two, once everyone saw the movie, once everyone saw the movie and got a good taste of Jar Jar Binks and the and the lack of Darth Maul and all the politics and you know that you talked about being in the movie, those toys languished for a long time. Jar Jar, those bins, really, Joe, that you man, found your Lando in, they were full of Jar Jar. Six months later, he really hurt the franchise. Yeah, and I feel bad for the actor Ahmed Best because man, he had a rough time. And, and the, so much hate to that. Yeah, guy. no fault and, of and, his own. And he didn't deserve it. No, he did great for what he had. Mm-hmm. I mean, George just wrote a bad script. That's what it came down to. Yeah, my 16 year old self enjoyed it. I enjoyed the environment. Mm-hmm. I, it's not a movie that holds up when I watch it back. I can see why where the hate was. Yeah. I don't think I could watch it. But I think within 20 minutes I'd be like, I, I just can't, man. It's just, I too, just can't. Slow. But it's I, too slow. I liked, I liked Jar Jar. I didn't see the hate with him. I was like, I don't get it. But mm-hmm. like again, now when I watch it as like a full grown adult, I'm like, oh, I can see why people got. Yeah, it. I mean, he people was ma- just, he was made for kids, right? Think yeah, he's, he's too racist now. Like people oh, complain yeah. about that, like being yeah. racist towards indigenous people and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was a wild character, but yeah. you know. And then really, you had what the attack of the clone, the attack of the clones, mm-hmm. and Revenge of the Sith, which continued the franchise, but toys didn't go into a lull like they did from 85 to 95. They stayed because you had like animated series and cartoons. Like there was that clone wars cartoon that was driving toys. I know, I know a lot of kids who would watch. that was their introduction to star Wars. Yeah. And that's what they watched. And that was what, like t- five years after that. Yeah, I want to say early 2010s yeah. and you're right. Yeah. I meet people in the shop all the time, you know, young People in their early twenties, and mm-hmm. if they're talking about Star Wars, their introduction or their favorite thing is like Clone Wars, and, it, and you know, animated stuff that isn't even a film. You know what I yeah. mean? So yeah, along the way, Star Wars became just a force in and of itself, where it was just always present, not just in the movie theater, but mm-hmm. on TV, uh, comic books, just everywhere. Right? There was just always something going on. It was Dave Filoni. He saved Star Wars with Clone Wars, that TV show. Saved it, mm-hmm. you know, from, I mean, after the prequels, no, people didn't want anything to do with Star Wars. Yeah. And Dave Filoni came around. He worked really closely with George Lucas, and I don't know how he did it, but he he turned it around, and Clone Wars was a huge hit. And, and yeah, like the General Grievous character, which mm-hmm. was, bar- again, kind of like Darth Maul, barely highlighted in the in the film. I know he was a, a big, big character yeah. in that show, and then his toys, they were wanted I, I mean he's toyetic right yeah toyetic. you know what i mean yeah. this guy it's got a lightsaber in every hand like yeah. he's just yeah. he's just badass Him he's a Tano. people love a Tano. yeah and she and, came from that show and she's getting a disney show which we will get to oh, with man, disney so good. disney purchasing star wars and yeah. relaunching it's like every 15 years there's a trilogy we got their trilogy movie we actually got a few other reboot or prequel movies, if you will, or spinoffs, whatever you call them, with like Rogue One and Solo. Yeah. And, you know, now you got The Mandalorian. You got... Thank God for The Mandalorian. Like, you got <laughs> just toys. Like, Disney is pumping out Star yeah, Wars like crazy. the presence is more it's than everywhere. ever. I yeah. mean, every day there's new Star mm-hmm. Wars content, yeah. right? And, I mean, it's coming from every, every scope. I mean, we should probably talk about 
like the modern toy aisle or the modern Star Wars toys. You've got Black Series six mm-hmm. inch scale. You've got you know Lego Star Wars is like insane. You know Might what be I mean? Bigger than the figures, honestly. Yeah. yeah, Lego Star Wars. We didn't even really touch on that, but yeah, the video games for Lego Star Wars were huge, and then obviously Lego yeah. Star Wars. The toys were kind of in that early 2000 era where they boomed mm-hmm. and kind of kept that alive before the Clone Wars. But yeah, go ahead, Keith. I was just, I think it's wild that things have come full circle for Star Wars. So Bernie Loomis sticks his hand out. Mm-hmm. Three and three quarters is the new standard yeah. that so many lines were based on. You know, even He-Man. He-Man was made in retaliation to Star Wars. That's right. Let's make them bigger. You know what I mean? So to come full circle, all these years, all these three and three quarter figures, now like the modern standard that a lot of action figure uh, collectors want is six inch. So Star Wars Black Series debuts, I'm not even sure what year that would have been, Joe, what, probably 2012, 2013, maybe? That sounds about right. Um, You know, and at first, maybe not a huge success. I kind of remember a lot of those figures languishing on shelves for a little while because people didn't want six inch star wars which is funny because that first wave of figures are probably the best ones Mm -hmm. in terms of sculpt and paint deco and the amount of accessories and all of that stuff and and now hasbro just kind of cuts corners on the black series yeah in my opinion i think it just took time uh for people to see a character selection and realize okay they're doing it you know they're and now you know it's a wild line that's very popular to this day lots of people collect six inch star wars mm-hmm. whereas you're going to find more of those on a shelf than three and three quarter yeah when you're in a store for the most part a lot of people were worried that three and three quarter was going to be dead mm-hmm. in regards to star wars that the six inch was just going to be the new standard going forward but i mean there's no way hasbro can get rid of three and three quarter no i feel like they could never do that no there's oh it'll always be yeah. present you know in last year or two they've started making like the throwback figures right where I mean, it's on a card that's made to look distressed, the like it's collection. old. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I mean, I we got a few in the shop right now. I mean, it looks like a '78 Vader on a card yeah. back, but you can buy them for ten bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they got the prototype versions of them, where mm. they're all crazy colors. Oh, like the test shot figures. Yeah, test shot. yeah. yeah. awesome stuff. What are I, I see? You got um, this. This is going to drop on Monday, May first, so May the fourth. Or may the force be with you. I'm sorry about that. But in the shop here, if you want to head into Time Blast Toys and Westland Mission, you got a couple classic-looking Star Wars uh, vehicles up top there. Yeah, fully boxed and beautiful. Although that uh, AT-AT at-at, he's missing a chin gun. So i got to get one. He's always missing a chin gun. But he's one chin gun away from being 100% complete, beautiful, awesome figure. Got a Falcon, again, missing one thing, and you know what it is. Training ball. It's that ball. It's that training ball. <laughs> Which is just a bead. You could source it yourself, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> a buddy actually found the training ball uh, recently and brought it in. Yeah. Because I haven't seen it in forever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just looking at it, I'm like, yeah, this really is you just... You can go a- to Michael's and buy it. You honestly <laughs> could, but it won't be from the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we're at that point now. I have one other question for you guys. Yeah. What is, are, like, the two or three top grail toys that people are looking for out there for Star Wars? Joe knows. Oh, it's easy. It's um, it's Vinyl Cape Jawa mm-hmm. because he was a first released with the Vinyl Cape, and then Kenner's like, well, look, this Jawa is so much smaller than the other figures. We got to make a change to add more value to yeah. the figure. And that's when they ditched the vinyl cape and they gave him the soft, good robe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that vinyl cape Java is worth thousands and thousands of dollars. Wow. And then rocket firing Fett, the prototype. Yeah. I mean, 
No one knows for sure how many there are in the world because um, I know there's a lot in private collections where people don't let it be known that they have it. But we know Steve San Sand Sweet has two, and we know Gus Lopez has three, I believe. Three? Wow. Three. So, I mean, that's five right there. And I know there's a couple other people that I'm forgetting, but that rocket firing FET, I mean, we're talking 20 grand if you sure. put your hands on one. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yes, I mean, we touched, I think, out the span of Star Wars deep dove into the early years but we highlighted everything but do we want to do a top three or we, we can do a top three you top got my three. list is gonna be wild you're gonna be top like three. what <laughs> i can try oh man I, I can i mean i can go uh, are, are we can go just figures just figures are like ships and everything i mean for this we could probably include everything because we're not highlighting like yeah a specific we've kind of been line. all over the place but vintage right let's, not like 90s stuff do, i was gonna do everything i don't have i, I can't stay in a vintage lane all right well, let's do everything though. <laughs> okay. if you pick just vintage for okay. this i mean we can talk i mean if we break this down like we did with power rangers or turtles we might have to come back and do year by year because okay. it's, it's kind of hard to talk about everything okay yeah. Yeah. all time you go first yeah. then dave i'm going with job of the hut I love oh, just that the Jabba, OG Jabba the Hutt. toy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like a great place. A lot of like memories with that toy, and, and it's not even so much like the playset. It's just Jabba the Hut was around. There was a period of time where I didn't have a hockey puck in the basement, and Jabba was my <laughs> hockey puck. Shit. <laughs> Green hockey puck with a tail, <laughs> articulated arms. I mean, so like when I practiced my shots in my basement, I had a pinball machine down there that didn't work. That my uncle from Maryland like just dropped off at our house one day, and um, so that served as like a hockey net. So I had a brick wall down there, and I just fired pucks off of it. One day I couldn't find a puck, and this is. I mean, that job of the hut at this point is probably 15 years old, so he got yeah. fired into that wall a few times, and he didn't break. That was the cool thing about him. Craftsmanship of Kenner. Yeah. Right he had, I don't know why, because he was hard, but he must have been solid. He, he was, was pretty solid. Yeah. He like didn't, I mean, he had a little articulation, though. So he didn't it wasn't shatter. Like, it wasn't one solid piece, but... Here's a great debate, though. Okay, let's do this real quick, because sure. a lot of people debate this in the Star Wars community. Is Jabba the Hutt a figure, or is it a playset? It's both. Can it be both, or you have to pick I mean, one? That's this is what people argue about. To me, I go playset because that's what it says on the box. I was gonna say if you had to choose, it's a playset. It's a playset. Yeah, yeah because he's got the whole. But to, to me, he's both. Yeah. The, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people make such a fuss over it. But I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I my number watched. one on my top three <laughs> yeah. is Yoda, baby. Yeah. Dude, Yoda's great. He's on my list too. Little Yoda, right? Yeah. Give me the orange snake. What, what, which eyes are you going for? I want Pac Man Pac-Man eyes. eyes, and yeah. you know he's got a stick. Yeah. My, Yoda, with, Yoda, Yoda with my stick is better than bacon. Yoda's my number one pick. Oh, man, guys, go YouTube that video. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what's your number one, My Joe? number one? Well, what's your first pick? These are in no order, guys. Right, no order. I'm going to go with Mail Away Boba Fett. Okay. This dude was so, he was so awesome, and he was never in the regular line. You had to mail away for him, and your first glimpse of Boba Fett was in the holiday special. Right. And he was such a badass in that special. Yeah, Boba Fett's about as cool as And then you see him in the movie and he doesn't do squat. Yeah, (laughs) kind of like Darth Maul in a way where maximizing your minutes. I don't think Lucas knew the popularity that Boba Fett was going to get and uh I just this is a great figure. He's, yeah. he's a kit bash figure. He's awesome. He got his own Disney show like thirty yeah, years later. He did. Um I love Darth Maul. I had, I thought that was a cool figure. Okay. Just the OG Darth just Maul. Just the like Darth Maul three and three quarter inch guy. Sure. I was like, Oh, he's got his double lightsaber, he looks cool. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. one of the very, very few I had. I don't even remember how I had him or if I even had him if it was again like an older brother thing that actually I got to touch and mm-hmm. that little bit. I thought so, it was yeah, cool you can figure. you could play with Darth Maul. Yeah. My number two 
is going to be outside of the realm of an action figure, but it's vintage. It's my vintage plush Ewok of Wicket. Remember this thing? I do remember this thing. He was so cute and cuddly. Take him to bed with you. Protect you while you slept. I love that thing. Dude, he's awesome. So yeah, Wicket's my number two. Um, My number two has to be the Falcon. Okay. I mean, I can't have a, a top three and not pick the Falcon. So it's just, it's a great ship. Iconic ship. One of the most iconic vehicles from any movie ever mm-hmm. so millennium falcon ewok village um, oh I told okay the, i was told thinking this. ewok village too i told no. the story about using it for my wrestling guys uh, a lot of my star wars toys memories if you haven't figured it out by now don't involve star wars so <laughs> I, I told the story a few there's a little video we made too about it that that about crashing wrestlers through the ewok village years and years and Great years story. later mm-hmm Man, you took my pick, Dave. Well, you can oh. share. It's yeah, you definitely problem. can share it. Ewok Village is good. That other, I can't think of his name. What's the guy, uh, bad guy? He's got a belt. He's got the robe, the things coming out of his face. He's a villain. Squidhead? No. Man, I can't think of his name. Zuckus? Bib Fortuna. Oh, Bib Fortuna. Wow. Bib Fortuna. Oh. Jabba's guy. I don't nice. love Bib Fortuna, but uh-huh. it was a toy I had forever. Such a like icon not iconic, but like distinct look. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Very memorable. Like you pick that guy up, I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I'm five years old. And even when I get him now, I'm like, man, why did I have this guy? <laughs> I know I had no I no clue who he was, but yeah, Bib nice, Fortuna. Yeah. Soft goods robe had that cool staff. I had to make sure Bib Fortuna got picked at least Bib once. Yeah, I love it. It's a good name. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> the bib part or the fortuna part or both both yeah, you put the them combo. together <laughs> bib um i gotta go yoda like i said yoda was on my list um i have a couple different versions in my collection one of my favorites is the lily letty yoda what's different about it the the shade of green he is like bright bright Ooh. like super green that's he's, cool he's beautiful but the worst part about it is the paint it rubs off like oh, really, really easily it's just just a staple of, of being a lily letty so that's one of the ways you can tell you have one because if you have a Yoda and there's like green on his robe or on his accessories, you know that's Letty because Uh-oh. that paint rubs off. Um, Can't even touch him. I try not to because he's very tacky to the touch, but he's a great figure. Love that Yoda. All right. We did it, boys. Star Wars, 40-plus years of collecting. and we did our best. <laughs> 40 minutes? <laughs> four, almost 50 minutes of Star Wars discussion here for you folks. And next week... We're going to stay in the era of, of Star Wars. Yeah, we're kicking it old school again next yeah. week. But we've got someone we're bringing back. She's been gone for so long. Where's Turbo been, boys? I've missed her. she go on vacation or something? We gave her a little break. Oh, from yeah. The show. Yeah, she, was, she needed a tune up. Yeah, that's a new spinner or something. <laughs> so tune up. <laughs> not not the, Bib Fortuna. No. Turbo. Turbo is back next week. She's bringing action figure vehicles of the 1980s. I can't wait. Let's go. Welcome to the Toy Cat. Toy Cat. You up the Super Soakers for the Time Blast. Time Blast. Make your tail spin from the launch pad. Launch pad. It's the Time Blast. Time of the Toy Cat. We know the facts well, straight out the half shell. Bringing that TGRI in the landfill. Yeah. Three Caballeros on the move, no duck bill. Cause they're the right brothers to take flight. It's so real. real. Every time last guaranteed to cover that. Uh. Be kind of rewind like Blockbuster back. Yeah. Got reviews, have you looking for the red flag? And bigger noses than Mark Summers. I 
on the show hand So get your notepad, we talking about collectibles Your to the seal, know the value's exceptional As it can be from TV to the VHS Power Rangers, Star Wars, He-Man, playsets Transformer, G.I. Joe with Deathstroke Light brights with the glow, power from Nintendo So many toys you will never know Welcome to Toy Cast, here we go